Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello beautiful souls happy tuesday you guys it is a beautiful day here in boston and matter of fact i'm actually outside recording this so you may hear some cars you may hear some of my neighbors but i just have to be outside it is time for me to be outside take a deep breath i've got to have that reset and you know what if you haven't been outside today and taking a few deep breaths just to clear your brain and absolutely think about nothing I am challenging you to do that. I really, really am. I think you should get outside. I think you should stop, clear your head, take a few minutes to take a few deep breaths just to yourself and reset. Gosh, don't we all need that? Yes. All right. You guys, today's episode is so, so, so good. I am so excited about it because I think it is something that people have questions about they don't know a lot about it. You don't know where to get information about it. And then when you do, it can be a really scary rabbit hole. And this is flathead syndrome in infants, otherwise known as plagiocephaly. And on today's episode, I am diving into this topic with not an expert, but instead a mama. A past client of mine who had twins last year in 2019 is going to sit down and share her experience with plagiocephaly. What did she see? What did she notice? What were her action steps? Who did she need to contact? How did all of this go down? Because through our conversation, you're going to hear that we actually dive into whose job is it to educate you on this, and we came up with a big, fat Question mark. It doesn't quite fall under OB or midwifery care, something that your provider should tell you during your gynecological visits, but it also seems a bit too late to wait until your baby's already here to learn this from your pediatrician. Nevertheless, we know that the information out there getting to parents before their baby is here is almost obsolete and so that is the goal of today's podcast i am joined by my good friend rebecca tran and i really cannot wait for you guys to hear her story and how she truly takes control of her child's health despite some roadblocks in the medical community 
All right, let's go ahead and dive in. Before I bring Rebecca on, I'm going to break down the science behind plagiocephaly, again, otherwise known as flathead syndrome in infants. So let's go. Now, before we dive too far in, I do want to start off by saying, remember, this is a shame-free community. Mom guilt is often an emotion that comes up when we talk about things like plagiocephaly. These are emotions that are going to make you question yourself and have you say the things like, I wish I had, or I should have, or I wish I had known, things like that. I want you to try and release yourself from that mom guilt. You cannot feel bad for something that you did not know. And that honestly is the hardest piece of advice that you're going to hear. But you know what? When you think about it, it's true. We will talk about this later in the episode, but I want you to know that this episode is going to be filled with things that may make you ask, why didn't I know that? And I wish I had done whatever sooner, but you can't do that. All you can do is learn and know better for next time, whether it's another child or just a future instance with this child that you already have. It doesn't matter. Also, if you stay till the end, I promise you, Rebecca is going to leave you feeling so uplifted and empowered and ready to take on the world. Okay, so plagiocephaly, how do we get it? What is it? All the things. First, you should know about your child's head. There are these things called fontanelles, and these fontanelles are spaces between the plates of your baby's skull. Now, these plates are not fused together at birth, and that's important, and it's also intentional. It's so that your baby's head can mold to fit out of the vagina, and that's often why we see these babies come out with, you know, cone head-shaped heads. Um, These plates, these fontanelles, they're meant to be mobile, if you will. And the plates in your baby's head will actually overlap one another in order to fit through the pelvis. Now, these fontanelles are going to be soft spots. The first one is going to fuse by about eight weeks old, and that's in the front of their head, right above where their um, palate in their mouth, the roof of their mouth would be. But then you have another one, and it's actually called the back soft spot, and it doesn't fuse until one year old. So in the first 12 months of your baby's life, we want to be really mindful of protecting their head. With that, we want to be mindful with how much time they're spending on the back of their head, actually either side of their head as well. So plagiocephaly actually comes about when babies' heads don't have the freedom to kind of fall back into that natural round shape. Now, according to the American Academy of Family Physicians, it affects up to 50% of babies. For me, this seems totally insane, especially if it's preventable. But what do we need for something to be preventable? Well, education, right? We have to have education on what causes it. So this tells me that the proper information and resources are not getting to parents so that they can be educated on how to properly support their child in that first year of development, which this is no support. That's nothing new. We've been knowing this. The lack of parent support and resources in the U.S. is just really unreal. It's really mind-blowing. 
So there are things that you should know about plagiocephaly, such as there are several types as, uh, of plagiocephaly, right? And there's even something called congenital plagiocephaly. And Rebecca is going to touch on, this is what she feels like her child has. And this is where your baby's plates of their head actually fuses in utero or shortly after birth, meaning that these plates, these fontanelles are gonna disappear and the plates of their skull are going to fuse together too early, a, a bit too rapidly, um, a bit too rapidly for their, their, their heads to go back to that round shape. We have to remember, most babies are gonna come out with a funky shaped head of a vaginal canal because they have to be squeezed through that very tight space. And so it is going to take a bit of time for their head to work back to that round shape. If they have congenital plagiocephaly, this is going to cause their um, plates of their head to actually fuse a bit too early. So what prevents plagiocephaly? Well, tummy time is gonna be your best bet, right? And not spending copious amounts of time on your back. So a lot of people are like, well, what am I gonna do with my kid if I don't lay them down? Well, you can do a lot of things. You can baby wear, there are bouncers that will keep your child upright. Again, tummy time, lying your child on a boppy. There are even pillows um, for to prevent actually your child's head being flat on their mattress. Now, I do want to tell you that the AAP does not approve anything being in cribs less than one years old. And these pillows, of course, advertise themselves as safe and breathable. I do not necessarily recommend this because of the AAP's recommendations and suggestions of having an empty crib for the first year. But as always, you're the parent to your child and you get to make the decision on what you are comfortable with. So I wanted you to know that is a, an option for you. Next, chiropractic care. So this is probably my go-to. Obviously, tummy time is something that every baby should be doing, but if that's not um, aggressive enough, maybe you're doing copious amounts of tummy time and your kid is literally holding their head up at a month old, but you still notice that their head is a little bit funky in shape, chiropractic care is gonna be my next suggestion for you. I really think all babies could benefit from going to the chiropractic soon after uh, being born, but since that's not a thing that most people do, I think chiropractic care is gonna be your second line of defense when it comes to noticing plagiocephaly in your infant. All right, and finally, a helmet. So Rebecca is gonna tell you of her story and her experience of walking the journey of getting a helmet and what that is like and what it is like socially to have a helmet on your child. But do know that um, some of the babies that need some more rigorous support for their head shape, things that chiropractic and tummy time cannot fix, a helmet is going to be the answer for that. All right, and lastly, but not least, um, right before I bring on Rebecca, I wanted to share with you what are some things that you're looking for in your infant. Now, Rebecca's going to share what she noticed in Eleanor, but I wanted to share all of the things just in case your child's symptoms and signs don't match exactly what Eleanor was presenting at. So you're going to be looking for flat spots on the back of your child's head or on the sides of their head. It also may be presenting alongside torticollis and you may notice that your child favors looking to one side or the other and when you put their head to the other side that they don't favor, um, they might wince like they're in pain, you might notice that this is a little tight or you will probably notice that they just simply turn their head back to that favored side. 
You also might notice that your child's forehead protrudes on one side and accordingly in the back of their head you're going to notice the same diagonal shape. You also might see that their ears are uneven or there's a balding spot next to that flat space where that flat space is indicating that they've spent a lot of time on that space. And then finally, remember those fontanelles that I was telling you about at the beginning of the episode, the spaces in between your, your baby's plates? Well, the plates actually might feel bony and rigidy because the fontanelles in between your baby's head might be a little bit funky. They might feel bony since they aren't able to fall into place correctly. As always, we're going to have all the science and the research behind all the things I just talked about in the podcast show notes. But without further ado, Rebecca, welcome to the show. And thank you so very much for sharing your story with us. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to have you. I think this is going to be something that probably everybody really wants to know about. Um, And before this, we before we, we started to record, we were talking about, you know, how uneducated parents are on this, but not to their own fault. Like, who's going to tell you about this topic, right? And as parents, you don't know to look this up. Like, you just think your baby's head is here, and that's great, and that's that. Your baby's head is here, but there's so much more to it, which we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. But, you know, what did you know about plagiocephaly before your experience? Absolutely nothing. I knew that there were babies that wore helmets. I had no idea why. Like I knew that there were there were helmets that babies could wear. I didn't know why though. I didn't know it was because the, the head was shaped weird. I just kind of had seen it once, was like, oh, that baby's in a helmet, and didn't really, honestly, wasn't in a place of motherhood or curiosity, so I didn't look into it. Okay, so where, as a parent, would you have expected to get this information along your journey? Because it's not really your OB's job, really, right? And it is... From what I've found in my own research, it's uh, considered cosmetic from a lot of doctors' perspective because it's simply the shape of the head. It's nothing, nothing internal that is wrong. The baby is still growing its brain just fine. The skull itself just doesn't fuse or grow properly. So because it's something cosmetic, I have found, especially in speaking with other moms of children with plagiocephaly, brachiocephaly, any of the flathead syndromes, because there's different types, um, and you can have a mixture of two. That's another thing as well. Um, Eleanor had plagiocephaly with some signs of brachiocephaly. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Again, I'm no expert. But um, so, yeah, I just kind of started doing my own research. So it does seem like something that might fall under your pediatrician's umbrella. But then the question is like, but why are we waiting until babies get here to educate people on this? We should just go ahead and they should like kind of know this when their baby gets here. So that is my qualm with this. Um, I think that's why I feel super strongly about bringing this to people on our podcast and in the birth lounge. Um, But um, okay, so you knew you knew absolutely nothing, and now we've kind of broken it down that it falls under nobody's umbrella. So, for parents, 
I guess just let's go forward with what did you experience in this? So what did you first notice? What was your first indicator that something might be off with Eleanor's head shape? Yes. So um, like I believe you said earlier, twins, right? You yeah. So twins, I have twins. Um, so unfortunately I had, I guess not unfortunately, fortunately for Eleanor, I had a control. I had a baby whose head was forming properly, was shaped properly, and to rewind, in large part, I believe me, again, this is from no doctor, I believe that is because Gavin was breached the entire pregnancy. So Gavin was up, had, had more room in comparison to Eleanor being lower in the pelvis, in that pelvic floor, head down for a very long time. Um, I noticed that Eleanor's head was differently shaped than Gavin's almost immediately when they were born, but they were also two totally different babies were different sizes. So I didn't dive in there. I wasn't immediately like, wait, my daughter's head is in no way shaped like my son's. Um, we were trying to get through the scariness of being in the NICU, um, getting both babies home. We were in no way focused on, again, cosmetic things like a head shape. Um, when Eleanor finally came home after a month in the NICU, it's actually for your viewers and people listening when he, he came to our house. So <laughs> uh, Eleanor came home three days later, he, he arrived from Boston to New Orleans and we um, were doing things like tummy time. We mentioned Cairo care. And I think a week after you left, we brought them to the chiropractor. I noticed it then when we were getting her chiropractic work done, um, the chiropractor pointed out that she had mild torticollis and no way severe. And when I say mild, it was like, whoa, way, 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 way low on that spectrum. So it wasn't anything crazy, but the chiropractor was able to teach me stretches, teach me things. And I, again, uneducated, was under the assumption that she was placing her head down this certain way because of the torticollis. So partially true, partially not, because again, her head shape was that way from the start. Okay, and as you were looking at Eleanor's head compared to Gavin, what were the things that you were noticing? Circumference was the first thing, um, which I think I actually had the thought while you were speaking on where, um, where the normal parent would think to even ask or, or know. Your baby at your first pediatrician visit, they measure circumference because that has to do with growth. I find it extremely interesting that after your visit, normal pediatricians will sit down and explain, let's look at, and they'll show the chart, let's look at her weight or his weight, all right, we're good. Then they do the length, but never mention head circumference. At least our pediatrician did not. So For either child. For either child. It wasn't brought up. I personally, again, have started to ask other moms, when you go to your pediatrician, do they mention head circumference? And all the parents typically respond with, no, they just go over weight and height. So I think if any parent has um, a thought that there maybe could be something off with their baby's head shape, that's a great place to start. Asking what the baby's head circumference is because I feel that when measuring the head, the nurse is going to see that that the nurse is going to, to have the ability and the thought process of, oh, let me check, let me look. Um, so yeah. 
Okay, and so after you kind of realized this was an ongoing thing and that as Gavin grew, his head, you know, grew differently than Eleanor's, what was your first course of action? Where did you start? You, you were already seeing the chiropractor, you were already doing the stretches, then what? We, the pediatrician knew that Eleanor was seeing the chiropractor, well, both of them, I brought both of them to the chiropractor um, for different reasons. The pediatrician knew that she had you know, slight torticollis, was like, great, those stretches are exactly what I would have shown to you had we found this here in the office. Um, keep doing that. I then mentioned it. I noticed when we were at the chiropractor, because I took, I was taking pictures while at the chiropractor, to remember the stretches. And when I was looking back at the pictures, it was a lot more obvious to me. Because again, in the moment as a new mom in that, that, that state of like, this is my infant. They are perfect. There is nothing wrong with them. And they change daily. So again, that wasn't something we were looking at, the shape of her head. Um, so we mentioned it to the pediatrician then. Pediatrician looked at her head, was like, oh yeah, let's make sure to keep, she gave me then, I would say like surface level tips. What side of the car is she on? Let's put her in the side where she's gonna see the window moving. Where is her crib in position of the bedroom? Let's make sure that she's not against a wall on the side that we don't want her look, you know, like, so, so things to that extent, the pediatrician helped with, um, making sure during lots of tummy time, lots of tummy time, um, and making sure that if, and when she was ever on her back to try to get her look the opposite way. Okay. And so when you did these things at home and you found that they weren't working, then what? Um, that is when we kind of, my I say we, my husband and I had the realization of we need to take this into our own hands. Okay. I mentioned it to the pediatrician for the first time at four months, mentioned it again at six months, and then at the eight-month appointment when she, oh, I take it back, it was seven months because flu shot goes into two separate so we went back for that second little shot and we actually didn't see the pediatrician because we were just getting the shot so all we saw was the nurse and i said i would like to leave here with a referral to and i told the nurse whoever it is she sees i didn't know the name i didn't know what it was i didn't even know it was called flat head i just knew her head wasn't shaped and didn't look at all like her brothers or like any other infant i had ever experienced so the nurse let me know that the doctor was out of the office and couldn't write the referral. It was a Friday. So I spent my Saturday and my Sunday diving into research. I looked up, I typed in at first, baby with flat head, and just kind of made growth from there. I, I looked into the different types of um, diagnosis you can get, how it's not just flathead syndrome, there are different kinds. I was like, okay, I think we're more plagiocephaly here. It's kind of diagonal. We're not, you know, tall and skinny. We're not flat, flat, flat in the back. It's definitely a coming out here and coming out here. Um, I looked into and saw that what my pediatrician told me was correct. All the, all the things she recommended, we were already actively doing for at least four months at this point. So I found a cranial facial plastic surgeon. That is who you see. Um, and so I called on Monday. The woman let me know. I, I, I called and said, I feel like this is a very important. I called and said, 
I do not have a referral because I had already called my health insurance that let me know I needed a referral. But I called this doctor's office and said, I do not have a referral, but I feel like my child needs to be seen. The woman explained to me, we don't do head scans. Um, often they're done once a month on a certain day and you've already missed that. So you gotta wait till next month. I broke down on the phone with this woman, started crying and said, my daughter's seven months. Everything I read over the weekend, he, he said she was done. That her head was going to be like that forever. That's where I was. You're making me cry because I love them so much. <laughs> I feel like they're my twins. Yes. Um, so y'all listening, Haley was a large part of their, their <laughs> in being home. Um, it was a long journey. Um, he, he was also there on the infertility train. So the tears are here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So my tears come from a place of mom guilt, serious sure. mom guilt. At sure. four months, I noticed something was off. I mentioned it like I felt a mom should do. And I listened to what I was told, but it didn't work. Um, I feel that just as you were saying earlier, that this is something that you kind of need to know about before your child is born, but then how do you know about it before your child is born? It's kind of one of those things that you just got to pay attention to. So moving forward, I told this woman, she's seven months. And the lady said, hold on. I waited. I was like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> she came back and said, can you go to, I don't want to let, I don't sure. want to anyone's names but she said can you go to this hospital I'm not supposed to on the phone set sure I'm not supposed to tell you this but the scans are done once a month at each hospital because the technician travels with the oh doctor. my gosh so she was like it was a month again it was a Monday she said they do them every Thursday he will be at this hospital call hung up the phone, called the hospital, said, look, I have, I'm trying. I said to me, I knew when she was all, all of a sudden able to open doors for me when I mentioned Eleanor's age that again, with the research I found over the weekend, I was, I was assuming that our window was done. The woman at this new hospital was like, yep, we've got you for the first appointment on Thursday. So we went, we got our head scanned, um, and before she actually saw the technician that does the scanning of the head, which is a full virtual, it's the coolest thing ever um, to watch. They put a little um, like stocking cap on the baby. They lay him down for seconds. It's just seconds, and then you see the 3D rendering of every little nook, cranny, divot, push out of the baby's head. Um, but before we got that, we met with the craniofacial plastic surgeon and he was holding the measuring tools in his hands. He looked at me and said, Rebecca, this is what I use to measure the head, but I'm looking at Eleanor and I can tell you she needs a helmet. So what color helmet are we leaving here with? So I knew at that point, okay, sh I'm not crazy. And you were also like, heck yeah, this is the action I've been talking about. Like, thank you for listening to this mama. Yes. Um, he saw in my response that I was full of mixed emotions, I'm sure. 
he, the doctor then explained that we were late to the game because he said, that's the most important thing here, but I want you to know that this is not your fault, but you are very late to the game. Normally I'm taking helmets off of babies, Eleanor's age. Sure. So I also need you to leave here knowing where she needs a helmet, but it's probably not going to work. So I then learned and dived into way more research, again, my own research on why, because I was like, wait, I just saw you. You just gave me so much hope. And then the last thing you said before I walked out was, it's probably not going to work. Um, so I looked into it and I'm sure you've done your own research as well, but there's a very small window of when the plates are, are out of state to still be malleable. Um, I also did research on, you know me, Haley, but anyone else listening, I looked into all the things you could do without a helmet. Yep. How can I do this? We've missed our helmet window. So what else can I do? But unfortunately it was all the things we were already doing. Um, moving things to the side, there's different pillows you can use. There's different, we, we did it all. Find a, a, a home remedy to fix plagiocephaly. And I promise you this mama was working on it. <laughs> um, so I was then at a place of like, okay, so either we try this helmet and it doesn't work or we don't try the helmet and again, that mom guilt set in of like, and I still, I want, I want this little girl to know that I tried my hardest and, and fought for her and her head. Sure. So yeah. You want me to keep going when we got the helmet? Totally. I think people need to know what that experience is like. So we left the appointment, um, and they explained to me, so then I moved over to the technician. I'm kind of jumping around, but. So we move over into the room with the technician. The technician is from a clinic that has nothing to do with the hospital, which then I had the big like, aha, this is why it's so hard to get these appointments in because it's two different organizations working together to make a schedule. So at that point, when the technician began the head scan, talks about what to do, do you know about any of this? So at this point, I went from being in my pediatrician's office knowing nothing about this, who to even call, to like, actually, yes. I have a PhD in this, in motherhood and <laughs> plagiocephaly. <laughs> like, are we going to be needing what type What type of helmet is it going to be? Will she have an opening <laughs> on the top? Will it slip on the side? Will there be holes in the back? Is she going to be a full helmet or a partial helmet? Is she going to... So he started explaining those things. Um, and then dropped. So again, it was a, it was definitely a roller coaster. So then I'm like, okay, this guy can, he said, Oh mama, you've done your homework. I'm like, yeah. Have. And then he lets me know that they take them off to produce. And it was Christmas. So production time, he said on average, at least for this clinic, this organization was, he said around two weeks, but our two week was Christmas time and New Year's. So we did not get Eleanor's helmet till after the new year. So it took a whole month, which again, time was not on our side. And if a mama is listening, I feel like the most important thing with this topic, time. And that's where I kind of lost. I didn't know that. Again, I didn't know at the I didn't know at the time that time was of the essence. So we had to wait another month, which hurt like another dagger of here we are waiting, looking at this head. But in the month, we tried everything. We had a pillow. Even if she was in the car seat, we made sure things were 
facing a certain way. If she was on the ground, the pillow was near. Um, we did stretches. The torticollis disappeared. So that cured itself. She was able to have full mobility on both sides, um, but the flatness was still there. Her helmet finally arrived in January. We had it on until a week before their birthday, so that would be March. So this is where I feel like Eleanor's story is completely different from the average plagiocephaly story. Um, at this point, when I noticed that it was such a time stamp of a, of a developmental thing for the child, I went like crazy on my Instagram, just sharing. I'm sure you're laughing because I'm, I'm sure you saw it. Sharing the information because I did not know. And I got, um, you know, reach, reaches from other moms being pictures of their kids' heads saying, what do you think? What about this? And my response to all of them was essentially the same of, if you have the slightest doubt, get a referral. Get a referral. And guess what? If you don't get a referral from your pediatrician, hi, you can make that appointment without having it. I don't know. I mean, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I always grew up anytime I needed to see a doctor outside of my pediatrician or primary care doctor, you need a referral. You needed them to tell you like, hey, you need to go see this. And so because this is something cosmetic, a referral is not necessarily necessary. So um, we got her helmet and we went from there. It was on for three months. We saw a drastic improvement in the first two months. Um, her forehead had ducked in, so her forehead was plunging out. Um, I don't want to get into the numbers, but a drastic difference of the other side of her forehead, one ear was drastically forward in comparison to the other ear. And the circumference as a whole was drastically wider than the average baby's head. So the wideness shrunk, the forehead went back, which made the ear also go back all thanks to the helmet. And again, me being like, and how was putting a toy over here supposed to do all that naturally? But it worked, it was working. However, because she was older than the average age, she was hitting a growth spurt where the head doesn't want, isn't trying to form itself still. It's then just trying to grow. So that's where the helmet became a disadvantage. And the doctor explained that that is why there is a window. Because if you put the helmet on too late, that your head hits a moment of like, your skull hits a, a, a window of weight. What is this pressure that's constantly pushing here and will try to push against it? So it wasn't naturally growing at this point. It knew something foreign was on its head. It was trying to kind of pretty much fight the helmet. So we all made the decision at that appointment that we went to. She was being seen every two weeks. So it was, it was a quick like, okay, let's take it off. It's fine. Hands are up. We made um, the decision to take it off. We saw the doctor again in a month did another scan to make sure like, okay. Um, he said when we left the appointment where it was taken off, let's just come in to check it. Um, there wouldn't be a helmet going back on, but just to let us know where she stands. Um, at that appointment, she did naturally kind of start going back to where it should have gone, which was good. Um, and then we saw the doctor again, three months later on my accord, I at that point just had more questions. 
of, of things to look for in the future. I didn't know, I didn't ask when we took the helmet off because I didn't have the thoughts, but I started then to think after the helmet was taken off, like, okay, so the head is still shaped wrong by cosmetic standards. So what about a bike helmet? What about sunglasses? What if she needs normal reading glasses? Things that I then started to think of that I, we take for granted because we have normal head shapes, but what does someone do when their ears are not positioned properly? How do they wear glasses? Um, if she wants to play softball when she gets older, because the doctor explained very clearly, this will be her head shape. It's gonna get bigger, but this is the shape of her head. Um, so I started having those thoughts. What if she wants to play softball? Her head's wider in the back and disproportionate. Will it fit? Will I need to get custom helmets made? And that's where the same doctor, so the, we had the same craniofacial doctor from the start. Um, that's where he gave us peace of mind of, yes, if she needs glasses, they'll still fit just fine. Um, yes, if she does want to, you know, play softball or when she needs to ride a bike, yes, you're going to have to buy a bigger helmet. It's not going to fit properly, but just buy a bigger and that's what you do. So, and he made us feel great about it because the mom guilt is so there, I feel for myself because it was a, it was a, um, it was a moment developmentally for my child that I feel like I maybe could have been more, could have been more attentive, but I did the best I could in the moment with what I knew. And now I know a lot more and can help and do things like this, telling so other moms. That is for me, the key part of you can't, feel bad for things you didn't know, right? You literally did the best you could with the tools that you had in your toolbox at that moment. That's parenthood. Um, and you had never been the mom before of a seven month old that had, you know, plagiocephaly, right? Now, if you ever have any more children, when they get seven month old, if they have plagiocephaly, you'll know exactly what to do. And I think that is the epitome of, of kind of what parenthood means in my mind is that you're ever growing, you're ever evolving, you're ever learning. And every new piece of information that you get, you're putting it into play to make sure that you are making things better for your kid. Oh, I'm going to get emotional again because it just makes me so... I think also it makes me so happy to see you advocating for yourself and for your child and really taking on not that responsibility. That's like an inherent responsibility that comes with parenthood, but just taking control. So many parents, how many parents would have just listened to their pediatrician and like then their child's head would have never gotten any sort of support, you know, like really taking control. That's what I have found um, with voice, like, I guess if I would have stayed silent, I probably would have wrecked myself emotionally, but I felt like, you know what, exactly what you said, this is not my fault. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that there was a four to six month window and that's a hard window. I didn't know that. Um, so like I said, I've begun talking to other parents and in talking to ones that are either curious or are hesitant of like, I've asked my pediatrician, they said to do all the things that you kind of said that you all were doing, but I'm not seeing growth. What should I do? That makes me feel really good. 
that, you know, like that makes me feel like, okay, I made a difference. I helped, you know, encourage this mom that she has a voice and she can tell the pediatrician, thanks, but I'm going to go get a second opinion. Um, we definitely changed pediatricians. We did. I went, um, I, not personally to this pediatrician, but I wanted to, to meet with someone and move on to someone that I felt was listening to me. The cranial facial doctor said it's very common for pediatricians to throw this under the rug because of first time parents. And he looked at me and said, and I'm sorry, cause that hurts to heal that I'm sure. And it does. But I would say the biggest part that I have um, grown from all of this is talking to moms in my shoes crying over wine with another mom of twins who didn't notice her daughter's flathead until she was one. Talking to another mom that asked and asked and asked the pediatrician, had a family member that was also a pediatrician and all of them told her, your baby's fine, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, and now we're trying to put helmets on to ride a bike and it doesn't fit. So that makes me feel good knowing that kind of like it, it is something that people don't know about. I'm not alone. I wasn't the first mom to have a child with plagiocephaly and didn't catch it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough. It's hard. It was especially hard when we had the helmet on. Oh, when we had the helmet on, um, the stairs, the comments, people who claimed they knew what it was for, um, and we had everything. People thought she was having seizures. People thought that she was just bumping her head a lot. A lot of family members, instead of asking, would say like, oh, Eleanor's the crazy rough one, huh? And we'd be like, no, that's Gavin. Her head's just shaped wrong. You know, so it's, it is. It's something that I think is not known. It's not known because it's such a fine line of, is this medical? Is it cosmetic? Is it something you should fix? Should you force it? Some, I had one family member who thought that we were hurting her, thought that if it caused physical pain, because when you take the helmet off, it is red. Sure. Well, their head's growing into it. But their head's growing. You are not contorting a foot like the Chinese do. This is in no way trying to change, but to help aid in the natural growth. Sure. That makes so much sense. Okay. So to other parents out there, what is your like one piece of advice? Go with your gut. Go with your gut. Um, I had a big mom gut, especially with, I mean, I had the, the luxury of having Gavin. So I was was constantly looking at it. I would leave the pediatrician's office and in my gut, I would feel she didn't educate me enough. What I mentioned is her head shape properly. I was kind of dismissed with, yeah, she looks great. She's growing great. I'm not asking it to hear that clearly. I'm asking it because I think something's wrong. So that's when I trusted my gut, made the referral, changed pediatricians immediately and went from there. I love it. So, you know, guys, we're, we're really big in this community on saying it's never too late to change doctors. And it literally is the same like, throughout life, even in like gerontology, right? You can, you can change doctors until the very, very end. Yep. Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. Rebecca, 
thank you so, so much for sharing your story with me. I know you have an Instagram that features the twins and gives, gives like twin life. Can you give us a little bit of um, where people can follow you along if they do want to learn um, about your, through your rants of, of plagiocephaly and your beautiful twins, where can they follow you? Yes. So I have, we have an Instagram account at Tran Twinges, T-R-A-N-T-W-I-N-J-A-S. Um, they were very active in utero and that's how that name came up. But the Tran Twinges account, I have Eleanor's, I think it's just says plagiocephaly where I kind of have an info where you can learn about it. I have pictures of her growth. I have pictures um, showing her helmet, what it looks like when we take it off, how we clean it, all of those details. Um, and yeah, it's also just a day in the life of our crazy, crazy world. But, but yeah. I love it. I miss that crazy world. I want to come visit when all of this coronavirus stuff is over. <laughs> all right. Well, Yes, yes, yes. All right. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I appreciate it. And I know all of our um, listeners and our birth on members really appreciate you sharing your story. Um, I know there were some hard pieces in that. It's hard to hear. It's hard to get that news. It's hard to face that mom guilt and to have those thoughts of, I knew something was wrong, right? And I wish I had acted sooner. I wish I had known something or I wish, I wish, I wish. Um, don't feel mom guilt, you guys. You can't feel guilty over things you did not know. It just is, that's just that. You can't feel guilty over things that you didn't know if you don't have the tools in your toolbox. Um, that is of no fault of your own. But you can, moving forward, fill your toolbox with other tools that you find on your own. And like Rebecca, go out and find a community of people who are, are, are walking the same exact path, no matter what your path is. It doesn't have to be plagiocephaly. Whatever it is, go out and find people um, who can be your friends and who you can you know share stories with because no matter what it is, you are truly not alone. All right, guys, we will see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.